If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Every person has a story, and some parts of those stories feel too hard to tell. You are listening to If You Only Knew, a mini series brought to you by the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. On today's show, my friend Sean Osmond joins me and opens up about two abortions and alcoholism. Sean experienced her first abortion at 17 and another one in college. My hope for you as you listen is that you will not just hear about a woman who had two abortions and struggled with alcohol, but yet you will hear a story from a woman about a God that pursued her, loved her, accepted her, and is using her for great things even though she walked through some very dark days in her past. I'm so thankful for Sean in sharing her story because the number one thing I hear from women who are ashamed of sharing their stories, it is that it involves an abortion. So full of shame, so full of regret, so full of pain, but God, but God is so much stronger than our biggest shame, our biggest regret, or our biggest painful choice. If you have experienced an abortion and are looking for healing, I encourage you to find a safe friend to talk to, to find a church that loves God's word, and to look for an abortion healing class like the one Sean mentions, Forgiven and Set Free. In this interview, Sean says that her secrets had kept her sick for so long. My prayer for you as you listen is that your secrets would no longer keep you sick, but you would allow Jesus to move in and to heal you, to forgive you, and to make you whole. Because you will hear Sean in this interview proclaim two very important things that he is enough, and that everything is forgivable because of Jesus. Friends, if you're interested in hearing more of my story, check out my book, If You Only Knew, that releases on January 30th, where I invite you into my story and show you how each of us has a story that matters, and that together we can encourage each other, point each other to Jesus, and all proclaim that indeed Jesus is better. Here is my conversation with Sean. Hey, Sean, so what was your If You Only Knew? So for me, it was two abortions that I had had in my past. Mm. So my first abortion, I was a senior in high school. And then the second abortion was when I was in college. Okay. And the details on the second are a little fuzzy. I don't know if it was when I was a freshman or a sophomore, but it was somewhere around that time. Why are the details fuzzy? I think um, just because I was in so much, I was in such a bad spot during that time. And um, a lot of partying, uh-huh. a lot of drinking, drug use. And there's some there's some times in my life that are very yeah. blurry. And this is one of them. And that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So you had these abortions. Um, one, I mean, both of them, you were really young, let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. But a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. That was seven, said, 17. 17. Mm-hmm. Um, who knew about this abortion? Nobody. Your mama didn't know. No. So my Mm. boyfriend was older. He was in college. And when we found out we were pregnant, we just made the decision to have an abortion. I didn't tell my mom. Nobody in my family knew. None of my friends knew. And uh, he paid for it. I went and had it done. And then that was it. I went by myself. Yeah. That gives me chills, Sean. Yeah. I went by myself because 
for whatever reason, he had, he was still in school and he wasn't able to be there that day. And so I just went by myself. Mm. And um, it was so interesting too, because I was still in high school and I remember that I had to miss a basketball game because I was, you know, not able to play. And um, it was interesting because there was a newspaper article a couple of days later about the game and that I was missing because I had the flu. But it's just so interesting that that was like recorded uh-huh. in, you know, history in yeah. some way that. You don't still have that article, do you? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. So you go all alone, which is just, I that literally makes me want to cry that yeah. you had to endure that all alone. Did you feel, after it was done, did you feel... I, I'm, I'm, I'm over, I'm past this, or did it haunt you as a 17-year-old? As a 17-year-old, I was relieved, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, I felt like this is a problem. You we came it. up with a solution, and I'm done with this. And we just moved forward. Life went on. Yeah. Now, what about college? So college, that whole situation was so different. So that pregnancy was basically a one-night stand. And... I found out I was pregnant. I had already been through this before. So I knew exactly what to do, where to go. Went alone again, had another abortion. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. The guy didn't know. Even the guy this time didn't know. Yeah. But it's interesting because the relief that I experienced with the first abortion, that didn't happen with this. It did not happen. I don't know. I don't know if it was God. I don't know if it was just where I was in my life, but the relief didn't come. And instead of experiencing relief and just being able to move forward, it was just this, it was almost like a physical pain. I just can't even hardly explain it. And I started having some anxiety, depression, and I don't know if it was related to the abortion, but the timing was interesting. Mm. Um, I was still partying a lot, so possibly that had something to do with it. Mm. But my life just really started to take a turn at that point. And it seems like it was that second abortion where I really started struggling. Kind of spiraling out of control. Yes. Yeah. Low self-esteem, unworthiness, feeling that I was a terrible person. I knew I wasn't one of those girls that had an abortion that was clueless. Like I knew exactly what I was doing. Mm. I knew that that was a baby it was my baby and that I was ending its life. Yeah. Like I got that. There are some women that are naive mm-hmm. about that, but mm-hmm. I wasn't. Yeah. The first time and the second time. Yeah. Yeah. So you're living with these secrets, which the first one, it sounds like it didn't really bother you. Right. It's just, you solved your problem, moved on. Mm-hmm. And the second time you now are having these secrets and nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, did you often think about it? Um. I don't know if I really, no, I don't think I did. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't actually think about the procedure or I just tried to just forget all of it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. When did it become an issue for you that you became feeling like if people knew this about me, then they would think fill in the blank. When did that happen? And what lie did you believe people would think about you? So it was when I met Curtis. Uh That's my husband today. Mm -hmm. And... I just thought if he even knew half Mm. of my story. And you two were not believers. Right. So, I mean, I want to throw that in there as well. I know your story. Yeah. Yeah. So if he even knew a little bit about my past, would he completely freak out? Because there was a lot of drug use, a lot of sexual sin, those abortions, 
I mean, just some stuff that's just ugly. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband, Curtis, is just such a clean cut, moral kind of guy. And of course he had his college days, but that boy's on the up and up. So you were putting like, <laughs> I mean, this is basically my story as well, Sean, you know this. When I meet my very clean cut, had never done anything wrong husband, which he always says, yes, I have. It yes. just didn't look like yours, yes. you know, which is the truth. Um, but you meet him and you're like, he doesn't even know what he's getting. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. And um, so I was honest with him initially just about some of the drug use and about the partying. And he's like, okay, if this is going to go forward, drug stuff's not happening. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, no problem. Because I really, really I liked like him. Yeah, yeah. So that was easy for me. But I didn't share with him about my abortion until several, it may have been a year into dating. And it was in a drunken crying mess on the floor, you know, confessing that I had had an abortion. You I said one. couldn't tell him I had had two. Which you're thinking now as you're like, you know, 15, 20 years into or however, how long have you been married? Uh, 17. Okay. Oh, like us. So you're 17 years in. Aren't you just thinking now, like, just get it all out. Yeah. Like, why do this again? Yes. Oh, so. So you so tell weird. him about the high school or the college? The high school. Okay. I told him about that abortion. And what's so interesting, Jamie, is because honestly, the second abortion, I just kind of, I didn't forget about it, but it was almost like it didn't even happen. Mm -hmm. You so kind of just bizarre. maybe dramatically blocked it. Yes. Yeah. It's so bizarre. And to elaborate on that, it wasn't until I actually went through an abortion healing study that that second abortion even came back up. Wow. Like I had, you buried, had literally it buried it so it and blocked it. deep. Mm -hmm. It was gone. So when you're telling Curtis, um, what did you think he would think of you or react? What was the fear? Where was the fear? My fear was that he would think I was a horrible person, uh -huh, uh -huh. horrible person. Yeah. Um, that he might not Wanted want it. to continue yeah. this relationship. Uh -huh. But that was something I really felt like I needed to share with him before we moved forward, because that's a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we never talked about it, though, after that. After I shared that with him, he never asked me anything about it. We never talked about it. What did he say? What was his response? I don't know. You were drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm, not funny, but it is. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're married 17 years. Yeah. So apparently, you know, it wasn't a deal breaker. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Now, I want... Because I know some of your story and I know that you and Curtis later it, within your marriage started following Jesus mm -hmm. together through some other things in your life. After you became a Christ follower, was that fear still there? Did it increase? Do you remember the first time you said this to anyone else besides Curtis? Yes, uh, vividly. So I actually went into recovery for alcoholism. In recovery, I met my first sponsor. And my first sponsor is who I shared with the abortions, both of them, everything. So this is the second person you the shared second this person with. Okay. that knows. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And I mean, I just told her everything, everything, because all of it. Because that's part of recovery. It's part of yes. uh, rehab as well. Is yes. It? The 12 steps, you lay it all out. Yeah. 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 So it was so interesting because... Um, it was almost like in that moment, like I'd already started walking with Jesus and I was um, starting to experience a little bit of what that freedom was like. But sharing that with her, it felt like blocks of cement mm. were lifted off of me in that moment. It's amazing. My secrets had kept me sick for so long yeah. that just speaking that, mm. all of a sudden, like the power was gone. Mm -hmm. 
It was just gone. Yeah. And now it's out on the table. So now what do we do about it? Right. Right. So she was safe. Mm-hmm. She was she didn't react Correct. In, a, in, a, in, a, in a bad way. You're now telling me on a podcast. Yeah. So apparently you have that you are comfortable sharing this mm-hmm. part of your story. Yes. That didn't happen overnight, did it? No, it didn't. And what's what's so beautiful about that is that as I walked with Christ and began to understand like what forgiveness really was and to be able to accept his healing for all of it, he just removed the the shame, mm-hmm. the guilt, like that self-condemnation, you're a horrible person, you're never going to be a good mom. Mm-hmm. Like he took all of that. Now, I still have regret. For sure. And sadness. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. so much sadness. But I don't carry that shame anymore. Praise like God. he took uh-huh. all of that. Yeah. Which is why I think I'm able to speak about it mm-hmm. and be okay with yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I think one of the number one things that I hear from women when they have this secret, mm. it is abortion. Yeah. It is something that a woman will carry with her for years and years and years. You told me about a story in one of your classes. How old was a woman who was in one of your... We've had um, probably one of the oldest was 78. And had never dealt with an abortion. But had never dealt with an abortion. Mm -hmm. She had... So she would have had the abortion like before they were actually legal. Right. Yeah. Right. And so there are women that we've had in our classes in their 60s. -hmm. It's just so interesting that that is something that a woman will carry. And these women are believers. Exactly. Like they've come back to... Uh this class because of they wanted to volunteer at a pregnancy center and they had to go through a class if they had abortion in their past. Like it's not even on their radar to deal with it. Right. And then they look back and see all the ways that this Mm -hmm. has affected them negatively throughout Mm -hmm. their lives. And they're like, oh my gosh. And do you, what you said earlier, do you see that it had been, it had been making them sick? Yes. I mean, their soul, I'm sure. It affects every single relationship. It, it it affects relationships with your family, especially your children. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part of the class that we deal with is like what happens when you have living children Mm -hmm how to, you know, how those relationships are different when you have um, abortion in your past. Mm. It's incredible. So I want to ask you this because I get this question a lot and people are asking me after writing this book, they're like, so do you ever feel as though people in the church look down on you for Mm -hmm. sharing these things out loud? Do you ever feel that? I have not actually experienced that. Thank God. Right. Good. But I also think it's because of the church environments that I've been in. I was raised Southern Baptist to hellfire and brimstone. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I were to go and share my story in front of the church that Mm -hmm. I attended when I was young, what I would, what would happen. Right. But I've always been, since I've been going to church as an adult later, Mm -hmm. I've always been part of churches that are just all about grace Mm -hmm. and about Jesus and about broken people getting healthy and getting well. Mm -hmm. And so I've never experienced that. This is really cool because whenever I get asked this question, I always am like, I go to a really amazing church and you and I go to the yeah. same church. So, I mean, I just always say, our, I've, I will have heard our leadership confess brokenness. And I think that trickles down into the whole church body of just realizing that we're all broken people mm-hmm. in need of a savior. And yeah. so you can bring your stuff, lay it on the table and I'll lay mine out mm-hmm. and we'll let Jesus deal with it and we'll move on. Yeah. You mentioned that you were in rehab. Mm-hmm. How has that been? Have you ever had fear with sharing that with people? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. I love it, Sean. No. Um, and I think because I think because I lived with these secrets for so long, 
when I finally realized it was safe to talk Mm -hmm. about it and I wasn't the only person that experienced it, that God really just said, it's okay to share and do it, do it because you might help somebody else. And so there's been a lot of freedom in being able just to talk openly about it, especially because um, everybody in my family knows Curtis and I have this conversation, you know, with our children, my kids know everybody knows all my junk Mm -hmm. and that's just a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because somebody asked me a couple of days ago, is it hard to share your story in light of being married to Curtis? Like, how does he feel Mm -hmm. about you sharing Mm -hmm. about your abortions and your alcoholism? And before we started this journey, I asked him, I said, when I'm sharing this stuff, is this something that makes you feel bad? Are you, do you feel shameful or do you feel embarrassed? Embarrassed? Is this something that's okay for me to continue to do? Because if it's not, I'll shut this down right now. Yeah. And he's like, you know, baby, those things are who makes you are. Mm. That's, those are the things that make you who you are today. So I love it's really it. hard for me to talk about Curtis. <laughs> I, so I try not to ever bring him up. <laughs> I'm the same way, girl. I mean, when I give you a copy of my book and you read it, you're going to see that Aaron and I had these same conversations and my, my sin was sexual too. Yeah. You know, and then come in before my husband who had never had, Aaron had never kissed a girl. And then I'm like, hey, here's me used up, you know, and you just, you feel that way. And Aaron reacted the same way. And, and here's what it is, is when you and I, or whoever's listening or whatever your sin struggle may be, it could be pride for the love. And it's just as bad as what you and I are sharing. Um, When we share those, what it does is it doesn't bring light to us. It says, look how amazing our God is. (laughs) Look how amazing he is that he could take someone so messed up like me to abortions, alcoholism, drugs, and he can do something with my life. That's what's amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. Okay. So um, I remember when you first told me that you were an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when it was? I love telling this story because to me, I thought- We were having dinner. (laughs) We were having dinner. And I thought to myself, this is a woman- who is not ashamed. That's exactly what I first thought. Mm -hmm. We were all having dinner. There were three couples. We were at a restaurant that your husband manages Mm -hmm. and there was wine served and you were drinking iced tea. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, do you not like wine? Because I love wine. You know, (laughs) I was like, do you not like wine? And you said, no, I'm an alcoholic. And I thought, first of all, no one's ever said that to me in my entire (laughs) life. And I thought she is not ashamed one bit. She knows who she is in Christ. And so I love, I tell that story all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't say your name, but maybe yeah. I can now. <laughs> you can. You're on my fun. podcast. <laughs> but yeah. And so I want to know on the flip side of all of this, on the flip side of walking through these um, struggles that you had, the shame, the embarrassment, laying it on the table, telling Curtis, now you just told me you talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I, you and I serve at, at the jail together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what is, how has God been faithful on the flip side of this journey of yours? There's so many ways, Jamie, but I think the biggest thing for me is that I'm able to facilitate an abortion healing class now. And so women who are carrying this junk with them, this shame, this guilt, this condemnation, I'm able to help them see Jesus and help them to see that what he did on the cross is enough Mm. for all their sin, even the sin of abortion, because that's one that women just don't think that God can forgive. Yep. And that's a lie straight from hell. Yeah, It's all forgivable because of what Jesus did on the cross. Mm-hmm. And so God has used the darkest, saddest, just the most horrible times in my life. And he has redeemed those things. And now he's using those things for his glory. Mm-hmm. And that's just the awesome God that we serve. He'll take the junk, the baggage, he'll redeem it, and then he'll use it. 
And so that's what he's doing right now. And I also feel like he's he's really redeemed it in a way that I'm able to share this with my daughter mm. and with her friends. I've recently shared this story with my daughter and her disciple group. Mm. And just knowing that my experience could possibly show my daughter or somebody that is the age that she is, 14, hey, you don't have to go down this path. And if you do, listen, you need to go to somebody and talk to somebody because this is not something that you need to deal with on your own. I just think if I would have gone to someone, if I would have gone mm. to my mom, if I would have gone to another adult, maybe my path would have been completely different. Mm. And so I think it's just been so great to be able to encourage them and say, hey, you're going to screw up. Mm -hmm. This is life. You're going to mess up and you're going to mess up big. But guess what? I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. I'm here. I've been there. I've done that. Yeah. yeah. Don't be afraid to come to me. And so those two things, helping women that have experienced abortion and then just been being able to be available for my daughter. Yeah. That's just huge. Yeah. And you're now facilitating this class um, at the jail where yes. we serve. Which is incredible. Which is incredible. Yeah. yeah. I can't help but think a lot of addiction, which I suffered with, is related directly to past abortion mm -hmm. because you don't know how to deal with that heaviness. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was through alcohol and mm -hmm. drugs. Yeah. Just numb it down, forget about it, and then move forward. Mm -hmm. And so... A lot of women that struggle with addiction have abortion in their past. Wow. That's interesting. So do you remember when you first told your mom? Yes. How did, how did that go? It was so sad and precious all at the same time. Mm -hmm. I had to do it. I didn't want to, but my sponsor made me. Mm -hmm. It's part of my making amends. So you're a, a grown woman a with grown children, woman, a mortgage, a husband, doing life. Yes. Mm. It was incredible. And it completely changed my mother mine and my mom's relationship wow. because there'd always just been like this space between mm -hmm. us. We just weren't able to connect. I had a lot of resentment and anger. She just didn't understand me or where I was coming from. Mm -hmm. And um, part of my recovery was making amends. And so, you know, I shared with her about the abortions and how sorry I was and that I should have, I should have gone to her mm -hmm. and that I was so selfish and just thought I knew everything and um, it was so sweet to be able yeah. to just apologize and ask for her forgiveness. Mm. And then for her to be able to comfort me, you know, in a way that she probably would have wanted to have done back then, but wasn't given the chance. Yeah. And that was a really special moment. And yeah. it's completely changed our relationship. I love that. Every time I hear you talk about um, the 12 Steps program, which I never knew anything about until I met you, mm -hmm. and you always teach the class at the jail on addiction. Most of the time you teach it. And I just, I learn something from you every single time. And what I see is that step, when you talk about that, is it step four, four. Mm -hmm. about four and five? Yeah. Writing everything down and asking for forgiveness and making amends. Every time you talk about that, I think, man, that is exactly like how we receive healing. The God's word says when we bring things to the light, because things that are in the dark and in secret, like you said, they make us so very sick, mm -hmm. so very sick. So I remember the first time I shared online about being pregnant in college as well. Mm -hmm. um, someone emailed me um, from our church and um, she was married, kids, and she said she'd had abortion. She'd never even told her husband. Wow. And that just broke my heart. And so I know, I know people are listening right now and they are thinking, this is my story. Mm. Nobody knows. What do you tell them? Um, that's a good question. Um, the first thing I would say is just start praying about it. Start praying about it and ask. 
that was the thing I did my first year in recovery because I had had these two abortions and I didn't know what to do with it. And my sponsor said, you pray, you pray to God and you ask him for a way to receive healing and to move forward and to make amends. And he's going to provide a way because Mm -hmm. he's faithful. Mm -hmm. And he certainly did. He provided a class for me to be able to go through and just get all the healing that I needed. So my, my first thing would be you start praying hard about it. And then God is going to reveal to you exactly who you need to tell and what you need to do. And I also would just let want to say that there is there is help for you if you've ha- if you have abortion in your past. There's help. There's this beautiful class called Forgiven and Set Free. It's an eleven week program, and you basically just walk through all of it. You walk through the denial, the guilt, the shame, the anger, the depression, and then you're able to receive closure at the end of that because this is not a secret anymore. You're able to acknowledge that your children were in fact children. Let's look at that for what it is. Yes, I made a huge mistake, but these are children that are mine. And just be able to sit in that and then ask God to heal those really sad, scary places that you don't want to go. Yeah. Because he will heal those places. And then he's going to do something amazing with that pain. Well, Sean, thanks for being vulnerable today with me. And thanks for sharing your story. And I think one of my favorite things you said is something that we know is that this sin of abortion is not too big for God. That's right. It is not. And he didn't forget about it on the cross. Nope. Uh, his blood covers all sins and his forgiveness is for all of them for you. And so thanks for sharing with us today. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for listening to this story. I believe that stories change the world. I believe that they tear down walls, open gates of conversation, and allow us to experience freedom in a new way. Your story matters. And I pray that you will have the courage to share your story with a close friend, just like my guest shared with me today. In my newest book, If You Only Knew, I go first. I go first and I share my story with you. You can find more information at ifyouonlyknewbook.net. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, 
Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com.